This is the audio of Bible study taught by Pastor Adam Moline from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can find our website at goodshepherdlincoln.org, and there's a uh, treasure trove of other information available there as well. Uh, let's get into Bible study now. All right, we're going to go ahead and we'll get started here. Last time we were working our way through the Ten Commandments, and uh, we had gotten through most of the Sixth Commandment, and that's on page 13, which the Sixth Commandment protects God's gift of marriage and uh, upholds it as important. And uh, so that's what we were talking about, all the things that are issues according to that particular commandment. And there are many, many, many of them, more and more every year. And so uh, it's one of those commandments that is trampled on by the world, and we're quick to focus on that, but we also discovered that according to that commandment, who are we? (laughs) How does it apply to us? Uh, It shows that we too are sinful people in need of God's mercy and grace because we've broken that commandment, right? So, you know, ladies, if you've ever uh, salivated at um, Brad Pitt, right? Or uh, I don't know who who the good-looking people are people salivate over anymore. The vicar. <laughs> <laughs> If, if that's the case that you've been salivating over the vicar, I encourage you to get your, get your head examined there. So <laughs> I don't mean that personally to anybody. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, is, um, it is a commandment that applies to all of us. And as we talk with people about that, we need to keep that part in mind. Okay, because our... I'm talking about the church in general, not necessarily Good Shepherd, not necessarily Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We haven't done a good job of tackling these Sixth Commandment issues because we act like everybody out there sins and that we don't. (laughs) We all break this commandment too, and we need to keep that part in mind as we deal with it. So any questions on the Sixth Commandment? That's kind of review where we left off. Let's move on then to the seventh commandment. This is, uh, you shall not steal. The seventh commandment protects God's gift of property, the things that he gives you to sustain your life and body in this world. And so this means your clothing, your shoes, your food, your drink, your house, your home, uh, all those things that God gives you, including even then, Um, money and finances, God protects them with this word, you shall not steal, which means the money and the possessions that you get, how are you to get them? Work Work one way, yeah. Um, What's that? The grace of God. We do. God does give them to us by his mercy and grace. Um, Work is the primary way. Of course, there's other ways, inheritance and things like that. What it says is you get it in the right way. You don't get it 
in the wrong way, right? And so there are ways that you get things in the wrong... Hey, look over there, you know? Um, <laughs> he didn't even fall for it. <laughs> that is the wrong way to go about getting things, okay? To cheat, to steal, um, to borrow with no intention or even accidentally not returning. The seventh commandment says these things are sin, okay? Um, even then in things like, uh, this is the right time to talk about it, was yesterday tax day or did they... Extended a couple days. Till Tuesday? Okay. Tuesday is tax day then. <clears throat> I've had mine done since early March. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, no. Tuesday is tax day, right? And every time you do your taxes, what is the temptation that you have? Cheat on them. To, yeah, to cheat on them, to falsify documents, to get some money under the table that you don't report. Is that the right way to get your possessions? Um, but it's not fair, right? <laughs> it's not fair because why does the government get to take that money away from us? Easily. E- so easily, why, right? <laughs> uh, they didn't work for that money. Why should they get it? Well, our forces, the yeah, I mean, they use it for our good and they have the authority to collect money to use it for our good in all those ways. Uh, it's not fair because, well, the guy down the street has more than me, right? He has the 67 Corvette in pristine condition and the... Uh, nice green yard that he pays someone to fertilize and mow and water. And uh, I have the mud pit and the old pickup truck, right? That's not fair. Shouldn't we take his money and spread it out equally? <laughs> that's, that's stealing, right? And it, Okay, we'll get to the other issues in society, but this is one of the problems that we have as Christians with... Communism. <laughs> what does communism do? Takes it's the the Robin Hood of economic systems. It takes from the rich and redistributes, and we would say that's theft. Um, now we'll get to um, capitalism too, right? Because capitalism has its own issues at times. I'm just going to be honest with you. And the best economic status or uh, philosophy is put not your trust in princes, but trust in the Lord. (laughs) Okay? But just need to say that out there. Now, Vicar's all squeamish, right? Because he's a big communist. Um, Because he's got the red hair, the red philosophy. Okay? Um, Theft, taking someone else's property for yourself is sin. Now, that we've talked about all those different ways and we've gone very briefly through them, how have you done according to that commandment? Knowing that God requires you to keep it perfectly if you desire to save yourself. 
When I was a kid, I must have been in first grade, um, we lived um, over by Sheridan Elementary School, just like two blocks from the store called Leon's. Anybody been to Leon's? They have great meat um, at Leon's. And um, I remember when I was a kid, I grabbed a roll of Lifesavers, right? And I, I just carried them out of the store. We got to the car, and my mom said, where did you get those Lifesavers? And I don't know. I just picked them up. She made me walk back in and put them back and talk to the people there and say, I just walked out with them. Um, what's that mean? <laughs> if I've broken the commandment in that one way, I have broken the commandment, and I am a sinner. Okay. Now, we don't have to get into a confession time here, but I am sure that all of us in some way, shape, or form have stolen from someone around us. Even, um, this is a weird one, but it's true. Okay, Vicar lives in an apartment. He doesn't buy his own internet service. He just steals the one from down the hall that gets broadcast for free, right? Stealing, because who should really get paid for that? Okay, Vicar, Vicar, I tell you. <laughs> All right, questions about the Seventh Commandment? Trying to get through all of them here this morning. Okay, the Eighth Commandment. So, Fourth Commandment protects authorities. Fifth Commandment protects life. Sixth Commandment protects marriage. Seventh Commandment protects possessions. Eighth Commandment protects your reputation. Okay, your good name. God gives a good name to everybody, and the Eighth Commandment protects that. And so it says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Lots of times people say that means you shouldn't lie, but it's not merely shortened to that little bit. It is talking about so much more. Okay? Because it's not just lying. Sometimes there's things that are the truth that you shouldn't say about someone. Like Victor? Like, okay, all right. <laughs> Like Vicar, like Vicar, right? Um, yeah, I, I hope you guys all know when I'm picking on him, I'm teasing 90% of the time. No, okay. <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's, all, it's all teasing, but do people do that kind of thing seriously? Yeah, there's a whole industry of this, right? So you've seen this with... Um, tabloids. How do they make money? Right? Just the other day, there was uh, a car with cameras taking picture of Vicar as he's walking out, and then I saw it in the, uh, the National Enquirer. Local Vicar pregnant with third child. Right? Okay? No. Just teasing. <laughs> just teasing. Uh, it's, they make their money on spreading gossip, rumors, Lies, yes, and other falsehoods that put down people's um, reputation, hurt their good name. It's not just this industry, though, like the National Enquirer. People do this about one another. At your job, are there people who talk about other employees in a not kind way? So-and-so just wants to advance, or so-and-so doesn't know what they're doing, right? Is that keeping the Eighth Commandment and protecting their 
reputation. If you have a problem with someone, what do you do? Well, obviously you tell everybody else about it behind the person's back, right? No, what, what should you do to keep the Eighth Commandment? If I have a problem with vicar, I should talk to the vicar directly, okay? Um, or, okay, in the last, since I've been voting, uh, that's since George W. Bush, we've had several presidents. Have you kept the Eighth Commandment about all of them? I'm guessing not, because I'm guessing there are some that you liked and maybe voted for, and some that you didn't like and voted against. Okay? And the ones that you don't like and that you voted against, what do you do? Sometimes we talk bad about them. Yeah. Is that protecting their reputation? No. Okay? We should put the best construction on everything. Okay? And not tell lies or spread rumors about people behind their back. We should also avoid people who are doing such things and call them out if we know them, right? If Vicar is spreading rumors about his girlfriend, right? We should stop the Vicar from doing that and encourage the Vicar to go and talk to his girlfriend face-to-face. Rather, I can't even tell you what he was telling me about her, right? But... um, (laughs) <laughs> I just like to see him get uncomfortable. It's kind of fun. <laughs> so she leaned away too. She's like, "Oh, <laughs> that's a charvel protector." Um, we should talk with the person directly, or if you're watching a show that's not putting the best construction on someone, what should you do to that show? Yeah, not watch it. Because <laughs> what it does is it teaches you to speak the same way about those people. Put the best construction on it. Now, that doesn't mean that we tell lies necessarily, right? So I'm a pastor. Sometimes I have to talk to people about very hard things that are the truth. That doesn't mean I avoid it. I should speak directly with the person about whatever the issue is. Okay? And if somebody publicly says something wrong, say, theologically, right? Um, If someone preaches a sermon that teaches that there is no Holy Trinity, and they teach that publicly, what is my responsibility as a Christian pastor? To say publicly that thing that they're saying is incorrect, but to do so kindly, right? (laughs) Not to just throw them under the bus and say, well, they're obviously an idiot uh, because they said this. Yes, yes. And there's the logical fallacy that goes with this one, which is the ad hominem attacks, right? Which is what politics is today. Um, you see this in Congress, (laughs) okay? One congressman will get up and say, my opponent is wrong because, at which point they have the great opportunity to actually explain what's wrong with their opponent's problem, but what do they say instead? 
Yeah, my opponent is wrong because they don't know which way is up and which way is down, and they obviously didn't graduate from eighth grade, let alone high school, and they're a big stinky head who smells funny, and so that's why you should vote for me instead of them. That's not the eighth commandment. That's ad hominem attacks. We can actually talk about real issues, but we need to respect people's reputation and good name. Am I making that distinction clear? Okay. Questions about the Eighth Commandment? Yes? I have like a nuanced question. Yeah. What if, like, let's say you have a manager that maybe isn't doing their job. And so then you just need to like talk to someone about like, how do I confront this? How do I handle this? So you're not like slandering their name, but you're trying to like figure out what the best solution is to approach that. Yeah. You can definitely do that, right? And you, you can say, here's the way that I'm seeing this issue from my perspective, and I'm not sure how to deal with it. That's perfectly acceptable. I would encourage you, too, to figure out a way to communicate with the person also, which sometimes is hard and not fun or easy. <laughs> but if, if you have an issue with someone and you want to deal with it in a God-pleasing way and you're talking to, say, your boyfriend about it to figure out how to tackle that. That's a perfectly acceptable thing to do so long as you're keeping the best construction on the things that you're saying. And that goes maybe back to those against the man issues, the ad hominem attacks rather than uh, what the real problem is. Sometimes in those situations, like I had a similar experience with a someone in a supervisory position that I didn't feel comfortable talking alone. So I had a uh, mutual supervisor yeah. sit in. Is that appropriate? I mean, yeah. I, th I think it is. Um, and that's keeping then with Matthew chapter 18 which kind of lays out ways that we can talk to one another about some of these issues. Um, and so having someone to help you communicate with the person while keeping the best construction is not a bad thing to do. Um, I don't, I'm not looking at Matthew 18, but I encourage you to read Matthew 18. In the small catechism, there are also the section that's called the Table of Duties. Uh, and so it's not all written out here in the hymnal because they're trying to save space. But if you have a small catechism or you would like one, we can, we can get you one through the church office. In the Table of Duties, it has sections that say to workers of all kinds and to employers and supervisors. And, you know, even used to say uh, kind of dealing with it in terms of slave and masters, right? Because that's the old sort of language. Um, read those sections of Scripture too, and it lays out, as a Christian, what do I owe to my boss? And as a boss, if you're in that position, what do I owe to my employers, right? Uh, because there are duties 
on both ends of that, in keeping with the fourth commandment, uh, honoring authorities. Your boss has certain duties to you, right? If you go to work and your boss does not pay you, they are not fulfilling their duty. Um, if you go to work and check Facebook all day long, you are not fulfilling your duty to your boss. And so the table of duties in the small catechism helps kind of lay some of those things out. I encourage you to look at it. It's not just bosses and employees, but it also deals with members of a church and the pastor, uh, husbands and wives, uh, children and parents, um, civil government uh, and citizens. And it lays out all those sorts of things to help you know how to operate within those things. Keeping the Eighth Commandment, the Fourth Commandment, and all the other commandments that deal with those particular issues. So take a look at that section in your catechism. If you don't have a catechism and you don't want to buy one, um, is it catechism.org? Cat CPH has a free one available, both in an app format and then also a website where you can read it. Um, that's handy. So there you go. All right. Other questions about the Eighth Commandment? It's warming up in here. Can you feel it? If you're cold, stick your arms up, and then I'll call on you and make you feel uncomfortable. So no, just tease. <laughs> just tease. All right. We're going to tackle the Ninth and the Tenth Commandments uh, a little bit together because they're dealing with the same issue. Uh, the Ninth Commandment is you shall not covet your neighbor's house. And the Tenth Commandment is you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, male servant, ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Okay? And these two commandments also guard against particular sins, and that is the desires of our heart. Okay? And it kind of, in that sense, loops back to the beginning of the commandments as well. Because if you remember the first commandment, it said... You shall have no other gods. And we said, anything that you fear, love, or trust more than God has the potential to become an idol or a false god in your heart. And the way this usually begins is that you desire to have something that God has not given to you. Okay? So I already kind of confessed it, right? The guy down the street has the 1967 Corvette convertible. You mean Vicar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vicar has a 1991 Jeep Grand Cherokee or something like that, right? Not even close. Not even close? Okay. It's some sort of SUV thing. Okay. Having that desire for that thing is sin. And it works like this. If I want that Corvette, what does it lead my actions to do? To sin. Yeah. To maybe... Did you know that even as a pastor, I could afford to buy a 1967 Corvette? I just have to stop feeding my kids for a couple of years, <laughs> and then I could buy it. I could stop... Um, you know, buying my wife 
toothpaste and things like that, and if I saved that money up, then I could buy it. See how that works? <laughs> um, or it doesn't have to be a physical thing. It can be an idea as well. If I want something, this idea, and it changes all my behavior to try and get that idea to become my possession, and I abandon or forsake God or my other Christian duties for that thing, that's sin. We call this coveting, desiring something that God has not given you. Where do the things you have come from, ultimately? From, from God, right? So, my shirt, where did it come from? Well, I bought it. Well, that's really great. Where did the company I bought it from get it? They bought it from the person who made it. Where did they get the stuff they made it from? From, I don't know what it's made of, cotton or polyester, I don't know. They got it from someone who grew it or pumped it out of the ground or whatever. And where did it get there from? God. So when you're desiring something that you don't have in such a way as to forsake God, you're denying that God is the provider of those things. You're denying that He takes care of us. You're desiring something that He's not provided for you, and that leads your heart away from God, ultimately. And that's the sin in this particular issue. Yeah. If you do want that car and you go take a second job or sell a bunch of stuff you have to, to try to do that, is that where you cross that line of where that's not good? Yeah. Where you cross that line um, to the, you know, you might want carrots for dinner, right? Is that sinful to want carrots for dinner? Maybe that's a better example than a car, too, <laughs> a little simpler. It's, it's not a sin in that sense until your desire and your love for that thing in your mind is greater than your fear, love, and trust in God, the first commandment, and also your, your uh, love and compassion for the neighbors God's placed into your life, right? If, if you have the ability to help your neighbor in need but your love and desire for the thing stops you from doing that, that's where the line is. I don't know if that makes sense. I could try to think of an example, but... Um, if your son needed a... Um, we could pick on your brother. How about that? If your son has a broken arm and it's going to cost $1,000 to get the cast put on and his arm fixed, but you have saved that $1,000 for the car, and so you tell your son, it'll heal on its own, son. You'll be fine. <laughs> You're crossing that line. Does that make sense? Because God's given you your son to care for. So, Dean, how did you break his arm again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does that does that clarify? And it could be God too, right? <laughs> if if your desire for the new Corvette 
leads you to not give an offering to the church because you love the car more than you love hearing God's word, that's crossing the line in the first commandment way. Okay, now everybody's uncomfortable because pastor talked about offering, but um, that's, that's the, what the offering goes towards is to hear the word. So, okay. Questions on the ninth and the tenth commandments. Okay, now, we've gone through all ten commandments. How many of you have kept even just one of them? Excellent. There's no hands up. That's what we want. <laughs> I was afraid Vic would be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, none of us have. And that's why these next words, which are from right around where God gives the Ten Commandments, uh, say this, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Does God like it when we break His commandments and disobey His word? No. It puts our souls at risk because it puts our faith at risk. Okay? Um, it's not good. And, Pastor, doesn't God forgive us? Yes. Absolutely He does. If, when I was a kid, my brother kicked a soccer ball through the front window. Okay? Um, it made it worse. My parents weren't there, so I was in charge. And I told my brother, stop kicking the soccer ball against the house, you're going to break a window. And he said to me, Shut up, Adam. <laughs> and then kicked the soccer ball again, and it went right through the window that time, right? My dad got home. Was he happy? No. He was angry, right? My brother got in trouble. And then my dad forgave him, too, and loved him and forgave him, okay? Now, the day after the new window's put in and it's fixed, if my brother kicks another soccer ball through the window, what's that say about his love for my dad? What if, what if there's ten new windows that have been kicked by a soccer ball and it keeps happening? What's it say about his love for my dad? It didn't happen that way. I'm just using it as an example. Does he love my dad? My dad has said, stop kicking soccer balls against the house. And he says, up yours. I don't care about what you say. That puts my, if, if we're going back to now to God and us, that puts that relationship at risk because they're disobeying God's word. It kills faith to break God's commandments. And that's why we can't take them lightly. We do, right? We curse or swear. I, I see it even in um, confirmation age kids. How about that? I won't tell you who. Confirmation age kids curse and swear when they think nobody's looking. And so do you. <laughs> um, you steal, right? If you find somebody's wallet on the side of the road, 
maybe the temptation is for you to take the money out. Right? Um, we sin all the time without even thinking about it. It's serious. Even the little sins count. Even the little sins count. And they are important. And we need to repent of all of them and trust in the mercy of God, which is where we're headed. Now, if you were to take all these Ten Commandments, we talked about how we can divide them into two. The first three talk about our relationship with God and how we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. The last seven talk about our relationship with our neighbors. And how would you describe what we're supposed to do with our neighbors? Christ says, love your neighbor as yourself. So to summarize all Ten Commandments, what's the summary? Love. (laughs) Okay? Which means you should love everyone perfectly the way Jesus does. And we don't. Using the word love like that, when it's what we need to do, is not the gospel. It's law. This is important because so many churches say this now. You should just love everybody, right? When they say that, that's a condemning statement because does anybody do that? (laughs) No, no. And when they say that too, they're denying God's law as well, right? Because what they really mean when they say love everybody is don't claim that God's word is true. I love my kids, so I tell them, Don't play in the street. There's a boundary. Because because I love them, I don't want them to cross that boundary where they will be at risk, where they will be hurt. So love requires that law. And it is a law word until we get to God loving us. Because He does it perfectly. And He forgives our sins in Christ. And so... God loving us is gospel, but just telling someone to love someone is actually law. And it can drive people to despair if they think about things in the truth. So, real quick, I want to go to the bottom of page 14. What's the purpose of the law? How do the Ten Commandments work? What are they supposed to do? They're a curb, they're a mirror, and they're a guide. Okay, the first two apply to everybody. Okay, curb. When Vickers driving down the road, speeding, as we've already established in previous classes, and he hits the curb, what's it do to his 1991 Jeep Grand Cherokee that's not really a Jeep Grand Cherokee? Flattens the tire. Yeah, there's a big bump. The rim maybe gets bent out of shape, right? The, maybe the tie rods break, okay? The tire goes flat. He knows that he's hit something. The law works that way, too. When you do something and all of a sudden the law says, you shall not, what do you feel? Yeah, whoops, (laughs) I hit the curb. That's good that you feel that, that you have a conscience that feels that. Because what what can you do? You can repent and trust in the mercy of Christ. If you don't know what you're doing is wrong, do you repent of it? No, okay? Curb, it jolts you so that you know what's wrong. A mirror, too, okay? So here's another thing about Vicar. Every morning, 
he, he gets up on Sundays at three in the morning because it takes him two hours of looking at himself in the mirror <laughs> to get every hair to lie just right. So there's that little curl right there in the end. Okay. He sees who he is and he spends a lot of time fixing the things he sees that he doesn't like. So the curb jolts you and the mirror allows you to actually examine yourself and see who you are so that you can repent and trust in the mercy of God. That's, that's the mirror. You can see yourself for who you really are. I, a poor, miserable sinner. Okay? We're going through these fast. Third one is a guide then. This applies only to Christians. And it's one that in our world today, um, there's been a movement even within Lutheranism that we haven't talked about this one as much as we should. It's also a guide. Okay? So, I'm a Christian. I've been forgiven of the sins that I, uh, I know and that I don't know by what Christ has done. The ones that have jolted me in as a curb, the ones that I see in myself in a mirror. And now, moving forward, how do I know what I'm supposed to do? God's law still applies to me. It still tells me what's right and what's wrong. And as a Christian, I try really hard to do what is right. And sometimes as a Christian, I do what's right without even knowing it, right? So, for example, I have not murdered the vicar this year. Why not? Because I'm a Christian and God's word tells me that murdering the vicar is sin. And so even when I want to, no, I'm just <laughs> I have not murdered the vicar. Because God's word tells me that's wrong. This is where we have a big problem called antinomianism within the wider Christian church and even within our own Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, where people say, now that Jesus died for your sin, you can do whatever you want to, right? Where I can sleep around with everybody because I'm forgiven in Jesus. They're using the forgiveness of Christ as a justification for continuing in sin. Paul addresses this very clearly. He says, what then shall we do? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? And Paul says, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. And that's, that's the, the guide. We still know what's right and wrong because the law still applies to us even as Christians saved by God's grace. And so we still need to do what it says. And when we fall short, which we will, what do we do? Repent, repent confess, and be forgiven. All right, I want to do this last little bit. What's our only hope in all of this? Christ. Christ. The blood of Christ that covers all of our sin. The only hope that we have, the only way we're going to get into heaven is the forgiveness that Christ has earned by His death and resurrection. There's no one who's righteous. No, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. All have fallen short and sinned. Uh, falling short of the glory of God. Even from our mother's wombs, we were conceived and born sinful. We have sin. Our only hope is Christ and the mercy that He earns 
And that's where we're going to go next time. But I want to make sure I say that before we bring things to an end today. We're flying through really fast because I don't want to make this class last until next Easter. (laughs) Any questions? In the Bible verse where Christ says, I never knew you, could that apply to the person that keeps on saying and it doesn't really follow Christ? I don't know. That's exactly what it's applying to. The person who says, um, I'm a Christian, but don't care what God's Word tells, tells me. Yeah. Because then... That Bible verse is pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, there's another one in James where it says, uh, and I'm going to misquote it here so Vicar can correct me. So you say that Jesus is God. Good for you. The demons say that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. You still should seek to live as a Christian. Will you save yourself by living as a Christian? No, you're a Christian by God's grace, one through Jesus. And now as a Christian, you act like a Christian. You got to get the cart and the horse in the right order. Okay, Pastor Poppy's still going, so I know we went a little later, but we're not late, so... If you have any questions on any of these things, give me a call, uh, and we'll, I'm happy to talk about any of them, and we'll keep on plugging away into the next lesson next week. We're going to talk about Jesus, who He is, what He does, and why He is the center of all the things uh, that we believe, teach, and confess as Lutherans. So that's where we'll go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Amen. Amen.